0: There, and Welcome back to another episode of The Break. I'm Father Roderick, and this is the last podcast, not the last. don't worry, the last podcast that I am recording here in the Netherlands, because the next one will come straight from the UK, or Star Wars Land, as I'm calling it right now. This episode is made possible thanks to my wonderful patrons, people that support me with small micro donations and help me to reach out to so many people all over the world, not just with this podcast, but also on YouTube, on TikTok, through social media, uh, on Instagram. I've been doing this work for many, many years, but I've always had to somehow find people to, to help me uh, finance it uh, because the, uh, the Pope doesn't send me uh, checks or anything, nor does my bishop. So um, if you like what you hear and if you are able to support what i do um, and show a, a bit of a, a token of your appreciation with a micro donation check out patreon.com slash father i would love to welcome you in the community um two new patrons this week so i want to say hi to dale laird and Stephen jesh thank you so much for joining the community i'm looking forward to if possible to meet you on our discord server for our patrons and um Uh, Again, thank you so much. Uh, Without your support, I wouldn't be able to do this work. Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. Face it, Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. You've taken your first step into a larger world. That's definitely the case for me this upcoming Monday because I'm taking a new step. I'm going on an adventure. But I'm going for the first time to the southern part of the UK. I'll be traveling by boat to Harwich. And in Harwich, I'm going to take the train to London. I'll be staying uh, about three days in London, two nights. Or is it three nights? No, I think two, two nights, three days. No, no, that's not true. I I booked 3 nights. Um I was I was lucky to find um a, a very affordable hotel very close to the center of of London, so close to Hyde Park. Um excellent location. The the hotel doesn't get very good ratings, but it's a place to stay, you know. And it's my first time in London and I figured I I I, I need some time to just explore the city by myself. And when I say by myself, I mean me and my Camera, because of course I want to share this adventure with you, and I'm hoping to uh, to to record some some vlogs um, and to post some stuff on on TikTok and on YouTube, and to bring you along. Um, and so uh, the best destination for you to for me to if you want to follow me on this journey, that's gonna be a two-week adventure in, in the UK, is by making sure that you are subscribed to my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Roderick. And if you are on TikTok <laughs> and and you're not installing your app on a government device, then <laughs> You can also find me at Father Roderick on TikTok and in many other places. Speaking of TikTok, this week was, of course, the week of the hearings, the congressional hearings in, in the US, uh, where the CEO of uh, TikTok came to, um, to answer the questions and to reply if that was even possible, because there was such a, a deluge of questions and criticism and uh, ah, discussion. Um, but to um, to explain that the American users on TikTok are safe, and I, I'm afraid that he wasn't successful in convincing, at least not the people that asked him questions. Um, I've been following these uh, these hearings, of course, with um, vetted interest because I I have built a bit of a. Uh, at least part of my ministry, on TikTok last year. And I've been able to, to reach uh, millions, literally millions of young people on TikTok with my um, kind of catechesis videos where I explain religious elements and, and Christian themes and even Catholic symbolism in, in Japanese anime and in um, DC movies like the Bat- the recent Batman movie. And I, I I did some stuff uh, about Holy Week and, and the Lord of the Rings. And those videos have been, are still continue to reach so many people, thanks to the algorithm. And what I love about that particular part of my ministry is just the amount of reactions that you get, questions and encouragements, and also people that sometimes express very personal um, things that happen in their lives, and they just want to hear my take on it and uh they seek some support. And uh, so for me, the, the whole idea that, that TikTok might be banned is, I understand that people are worried and that there are some legit, very legitimate concerns about the technology behind TikTok and uh, if our data is, is actually really um, protected. And uh, is, of course, it's, it's, a, it's a commercial organization. You, we, we don't know. Uh, they, we just have to believe the CEO when he says that that is th- that that there is going to be this firewall, etc. But of course, we need much more than that. So I can totally understand um, the uh, the US politicians uh, wanting to to uh, assure that, and and they're not alone here in the Euro- in Europe. Uh, same thing. So I'm I'm from Europe. I'm I live in the Netherlands. In case you're new, um, our uh, European leaders have also. Uh, create, uh, in fact, we have an entire legislati- legislation for the for all the countries in Europe that protects us against the kind of data mongering that a lot of these big tech companies do and have been doing for many many years. Um, and uh, those laws are much stricter than anywhere else in the world right now. In fact, the United States and this this made um, y- the hearing the TikTok hearing a bit cringe-worthy for me, um, is it was solely focused on TikTok. But the kind of data collection activities that TikTok is accused of have proven to be uh, done for many years illegally and even have been weaponized uh, by, by, by some um, on, on the meta-platform. Uh, we know that Google is gathering huge amounts of data on us, so even very private personal data. When it comes to our health, our, our, you know, our heart rate, our, the steps that we walk every day, our everything. Uh, if we're ill, the, the the stuff that we Google for, and so many companies do this now in Europe. Uh, this legislation that is a couple of years old is meant to protect us from this an involuntary data uh, gathering. we That's why you get all these pop-ups where, you know, do you reject or accept the cookies? It's super annoying, but that is that is directly linked to that data protection uh, legislation in, in, in Europe where you, you want to have a choice. Am I going to hand out my data? Because if something is free, we know that, then you are the payment. Your data is being sold. And so a lot of the... Um let's say the experts that were watching the um, the TikTok hearing said, but, you know, if China wants to have all our private d- data, they can just buy it in the, in the U.S. legally. They can just go to, to Meta and say, just, hey, here are a couple of millions. Just give us all that personal data. Because Facebook has been selling this data for years. You have the whole like the all the stuff that was going on with the elections uh the presidential elections and how much uh social media were were weaponized by by politicians to uh to influence the results and to also um kind of stir st- up uh, uh f- you know negative feelings and 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 discontent and uh, all that sort of stuff. So anyway, I think it is super important for the United States not just to Focus on TikTok as if that, if if, if we get TikTok out of the window and we ban it and then maybe, you know, some other big company, probably Meta, will just take over and they will say, well, just here's Reels. That's a true American alternative to TikTok. But then we're back to square one because they, too, gather all this information. Uh, And and there's no legislation, uh, no no serious legislation to speak of in the U.S. that protects its own citizens against this kind of these practices. So I would say, follow the example of of Europe. And I know that sounds a bit, not all Americans like to hear that, that. But let's, as a global community, let's think about how important it is to protect our citizens against these practices, because now it may be TikTok, but tomorrow it's going to be some some other country that 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 la- launches, or maybe your own your own government or or, or big commercial entities that are manipulating everything. Uh, we've seen how much in the world our news um, is dip, is 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 steered and guided and also manipulated by people that have a ton of money. There's so much. Money involved in journalism nowadays, and that's a threat because we need to have impartial reports and 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 good journalists, but not someone who just tells uh, us what the boss wants him or her to tell. So I think it's so important in this very very um, oversaturated information age to um, to f- to come up with global. Uh, checks and balances for these companies, whether it is TikTok or Facebook, or and let's f- on the one hand work with these companies, um, but also be demand uh, protect. There, I think our governments should protect us. That's why we've elected them. But I don't think that this like sudden radical ban of TikTok is going to solve the entire problem. I would rather see uh, uh th- that this is like the first case of many that will ultimately lead not to banning these things because this is there are 150 million Americans using TikTok right now and that is still growing. If you ban the the app, all these people will move to YouTube and 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 Instagram, but th- they're not going to be safer. Yeah, well maybe the, the Chinese authorities won't have access to that data, but other entities will commercial entities <laughs> political entities so um I, I I believe it's very important that we also protect these means of expression, and ideally, you know if I can dream about you know what is the future of our social media, I think that that what is happening right now with the the migration of many people from uh, Twitter was also a platform um, that is, it's a commercial platform, it needs to make money, so it is going to gather your, your information. Um, th- now that people are moving away from those um, corporate-owned uh, social platforms, where ultimately, um, you know, it's a business, and that will determine what you see, what you read, what you watch, to go to this, like, w- this system w- w- that's called the Fediverse. Mastodon is just one of the many examples that use this shared protocol, you could say, of, of, of exchanging information. Nobody owns it. Everybody can take part in this exchange of information. It's much more like email, uh, where you, you know, anyone can, start, can set up an email server. And yeah, there are parties, like Gmail, for instance. They do analyze your email. And probably um, uh, uh, Microsoft does the same, and so do some others. But there are also lots of people that just have their own private email server, where you know that I can I can just talk to anyone in the world who has an email address, but I am the owner of my information. And I, I believe that that is n- one. Now that I've been on on Mastodon for a couple of months, I see the difference it makes, and how much it is. It feels much more like the early days of the internet where because there is no commercial algorithm, it feels more, more like a real conversation that I have with the people that I follow. And it's not, you can't really go viral on Mastodon. And maybe so that maybe that makes it less interesting for influencers. But you know what? I'm not even sure that that the world is so much better with all these influencers, right? I, I, I like the small, smaller-scale Macedon communities, um, and it's just one example, but I, I would ideally also prefer to have a, like a Macedon type of, of TikTok alternative, where it's, you know, it may still have a, a certain algorithm as long as it's open, as long as everybody can contribute to making it better. But what I love about TikTok, and also to a certain extent of, of uh, the podcasting world and YouTube, is this incredible wealth of of talents and information and knowledge that people exchange with one another. I've learned more from TikTok on so many different levels, even like biblical theology and stuff by the people that I follow on TikTok than I've learned in in the past 10 years, anywhere else. And I would really be so sad if if I lose track of these people that have been sharing their knowledge and their expertise with me on TikTok. And so that's the last thing I'm going to say about the whole TikTok hearings. The, the thing that was kind of most cringeworthy is that so many of the people that asked the question, so many of the politicians showed that they know nothing about social media or about the internet. And, and so, but it was just like almost like posturing. Like, I I need to show my my voters, (laughs) my constituents, that I'm angry, that I'm outraged, that I'm doing something. Uh, But I don't think that that furthers the whole discussion. I would have uh, much more preferred some kind of um, uh, debate where you would have a number of experts like people that really know what they're talking about, also when it comes to the kind of shadier practices of a company like TikTok or ByteDance or uh, Meta or, or, or Twitter, and that, that they would help these politicians ask the right questions so that we could actually <laughs> start to really understand what's going on behind the scenes. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, I'm not very optimistic about the future of TikTok in the United States, um but i am optimistic about the future of social media because i we're already seeing that what tiktok actually um made possible was this kind of like everybody can share on tiktok and people do and and i would say 90% of the people that i follow on tiktok um, are completely new to me. I've never seen them on any other platform. They didn't write books, they didn't, you know, they're not well-known media celebrities. Like those were the kind of people that I would follow on Twitter. But these are just, you know, therapists and theologians, biblical scholars, artists, uh, grassroots singers, uh, paint art you know, painters, um, cooking, you know, I I would say like most of what I cook today. Is stuff is are recipes that I've learned on TikTok, and I I haven't come across that kind of stuff on YouTube because the algorithm is much more limited and much more I don't know. It just shows me a lot of Star Wars stuff because that's what I watch on YouTube. But it doesn't have that. It doesn't make it easy to discover stuff that I didn't even know I was going to like. So anyway, but that th- those people are there. We just need to give them a platform that is safe for everyone to use. Um, but no matter what happens, you know, platforms come and pl- platforms go. So I'm not worried too much. And and TikTok has in a certain way shown what is possible and how successful that can be and how enriching that can be. It has also alerted us to a lot of downsides of this kind of uh, social media. And hopefully all that knowledge will help us not just to focus on what we need to ban and, and uh, restrict, but that it can make us even more creative, even more responsible to make a better internet for everyone in the world. Um, all right, that's all. I'm gonna step down from my soapbox. Let's move on with the show. How <laughs> do you not like movies? They're predictable. Like the guy gets the girl and that kid sees dead people and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. I'm going to give it to you. Ah, what a great time to be a science fiction fan. Be it Star Trek or Star Wars, we've got some of the best stuff ever made right now on television. I'm riveted by Star Trek Picard. This third season is a totally new thing compared to the previous two seasons. And I would I would even encourage everyone, anyone who has not seen Star Trek Picard yes, uh, yet and you have access to it, just skip the first two seasons because it's really a totally it's a totally different show. Um, and but this this third season is it's it's what I always wanted Star Trek to be. It's in in many ways it's like a, an improved version of Star Trek Generations. It's that good. I love it. And I'm sad that it's almost over. And I hope that we maybe we'll get some spin-offs. And hopefully they will they will figure out that, that this kind this is the kind of storytelling that works for Star Trek. So um they are about to announce some new series. Apparently, according to the rumors, it will be more character-based. That makes me always a bit wary because that, that feels like, oh, we're gonna have another wharf series. What I love about I have nothing against Worf, but I wouldn't watch an entire season where it's just you know one character. Um, I think one of the strengths of Star Trek, and also to to a lesser extent of Star Wars, is that it is um, it's team based. All these stories involve multiple people, and and the way they re- they interact and react and, and sometimes oppose each other. That's what make makes the good stories. Um, so. We're we're very used to single character storytelling in the superhero genre, you know, Marvel, DC. It's you know Wonder Woman, uh, the Flash, uh, Arrow, um, Iron Man. Uh, we do that all all the time in in that genre. But I think that that's and that's fine with me. But I per- personally am much more a fan of these ensemble shows. Uh, it's 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 much richer. As a form of storytelling. This is one of the reasons that I didn't care as much for, like, the Batman movies than I cared for, uh, let's say, the Avengers. Because I, I like that there are many different characters. There's much more uh, opportunity for humor. But, of course, you know, if you only have to pay one actor and you can build a, a world around that with some special effects and some extras, some supporting characters, it's much cheaper to produce. And everybody seems to be cutting co- corners and costs uh, lately. So we'll, we'll see what they come up with. Um, but then, of course, "Star Wars," uh, The Mandalorian is the, it's absolutely the best season so far. It is, I'm so blown away by the quality of the Mandalorian. Every single episode feels like a movie to me. And my criticism, if you've been following me for a while, uh, has always been with the Mandalorian that it feels a bit cramped. It feels a bit cheap. Because they used, they were using the volume, which is this whole LED set, which was fantastic for them, of course, during COVID, because you don't need to go outside; you can just stay inside, and everybody gets a COVID test at the beginning of the day, and everybody is safe. So, you know, I'm, I'm not criticizing that they, they 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 tried that out, but it also had downsides. You could at, at one point you could just tell. That it wasn't real it wasn't outside and then andor came around and all of a sudden they were filming in the scottish highlands and they were filming in in, in on, on beaches and like in and it's like oh yeah yeah this is what reality feels like To certain, i mean it's not real because it's star wars but it, it was such a a difference in in the way that, that those stories feel because they were filmed in a real environment and thankfully for this third season they still used the volume for the Mandalorian but they also filmed a ton of stuff outside and it's probably all filmed in 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 the western part of the United States in fact when i was in Anaheim for the the previous Star Wars celebration John Favreau said on stage we're just filming just around the corner we're just and then and then Feloni said don't tell them where we are filming 'cause th- it was that close to where we were and 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 you can tell that that the, it's usually generic landscapes they probably went to the desert you know somewhere in the direction of Las Vegas where they can film these canyons and stuff but it it makes all the difference, and the special effects are 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 based on you know they 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 used drone shots they were these f- dog fights and and it's you can tell it's not. Uh, computer generated the the ships are but the rest is real and it's so good oh my gosh I'm even if we wouldn't get any movies anytime soon I would I would encourage Disney to just put this in theaters I would go if they would show the entirety of season 3 of the Mandalorian in you know my, a, a local IMAX theater I would I would pay for it I would sit there and I would watch the whole thing it's that good so it's it's really really cool and of course um, it kind of uh, makes me less anxious about the overall quality of the Star Wars uh, um, stories that are being told because I, at one point I was like oh man but if, if everything is going to be kind of these <laughs> relatively cheap in-house productions where it's all digital um, and we don't get any movies is that still going to satisfy the Star Wars fans? I'm I I'm not sure, um, but now I see that they too they 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 deliberately cho- choose to go outside and to to make television in a way that is much more akin to the way they would make a movie, and uh, and definitely special effects are out of this world right now. The quality I'm I'm so proud. I need to get in touch with him again. There's a um, two people from from my country. Uh, from, from the, I think they originally lived in Nieuwegein. I met them years ago, uh, even before the whole Disney takeover of Lucasfilm, um, at a conference about special effects. And this guy works, has worked for Meta, for WEDA, I should say not Meta, <laughs> WEDA Studios. So he's been working on, on The Hobbit, he's been working on a ton of uh, Marvel uh, movies, and he's working on Star Wars and uh i think her his wife works in costuming and so the both of them work in 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 the field of special effects um and they're just awesome people it's so i mean he's always so uh, up, so enthusiastic about the work that he he's doing and he's realizing you know i am contributing to to the story that formed my childhood um and and I've noticed that he's also been working on this third season of The Mandalorian. But he said on, on Insta uh that it, it he could he could barely remember the work that they'd done because this this all this was finished like two years ago. It's been on the shelf for uh for a very long time. Which means that probably they're now hard at work on Ahsoka, on the skeleton crew, um the acolyte, and maybe movies, right? This is one of the things that I'm looking forward to uh, during the Star Wars Celebration, and I speculated about it also last week on the podcast, in case you want to hear my thoughts on that. But I've got a very strong feeling that we will get an announcement at least about one movie, or maybe two. Maybe they'll show uh, glimpses, uh, but I think that the big reveal is going to be on Star Wars Day, which of course is May the 4th. Maybe we'll get a trailer on May the 4th. Or... What what often happens on these Star Wars celebrations is they'll show a trailer, but everybody needs to turn off their phones. They have got you know security guards in the crowd. Um, they show a trailer, and then they might premiere it on May the Fourth. That's what I would do uh, because then you get like the core fans super excited. You get the chatter. It's all positive, of course, because it's you're watching that trailer in the context of a super pumped up crowd. So you make sure that the first buzz around the trailer is super enthusiastic. And then on May the 4th, everybody's waiting for something to happen. What better day to show the first teaser trailer for the next movie? That's what I think is going to happen. And I'm probably wrong. But hey, I can dream, right? (laughs) Um, But... Uh, the other thing that I'm looking forward to is is uh, just hanging out with a lot of my friends, and maybe some of you uh, who are listening now to the show are also going for one or two or or maybe all days. If so, just send me a note. You know, let's connect, and uh, and maybe we can do a meetup uh, somewhere in London. As I said, I will be filming the whole thing, um, so I'm already leaving on uh, this upcoming Monday, and that is the one thing that I am a little bit C-3PO about. And when I say C-3PO, I mean, we're doomed. (laughs) The thing is, I ordered the tickets to the Star Wars Celebration um, about a year ago, right? And then it said, oh, we we will send you the badges if you want, uh, uh, four weeks in advance, four to to three weeks in advance, um, um, to your home address, and it just... You know, you pay a bit extra. So I paid, what is it, $15 or something like that. Because I was like, okay, then I don't have to wait in line to pick up my badges. The thing is, ReadPop, who's it's the organization that, that does the whole uh, distribution of these badges, they've been so slow. They're only now sending out the bloody badges. And so on, on the, there are a couple of Facebook groups around Star Wars Celebration where people are like, I haven't got my badge is it go- or people that were, whose badges are now stuck in customs because apparently they mark the value of the badges and it's the production value, but then a lot of countries will impose taxes on that. And until you pay, they don't send it to your mail address. So a lot of fans are freaking out. And I was one of them because I don't have my badges. And, and when I was planning the trip, I've been debating, am I going first to London for the Star Wars celebration, and I'm going to stay a little bit longer just because I I don't travel to the UK every day. So I want to take advantage to explore at least London a little bit and maybe also visit uh, Michiel and Liz in in, in Leicester. Um, And then we ended up deciding that it would probably be better for me to, to go a little bit earlier to the UK. So that's how I planned my trip. I'm leaving on Monday evening and the badges are not here. And so... I I wrote to Repop and I got a generic reply. Don't worry, we're able to track if your badges have been delivered or not. And if they haven't been delivered uh, before you left for the convention, you can pick up replacement badges. But I'm thinking, what does that mean? Do I have to... Prove that I left like a week before you know what does that what does that mean? It's so unclear and, and you, you can tell that that thousands of people are are now writing them because you don't get any more details. So this is where earlier this week I recorded an episode of the walk where I talked about what I've learned from the Stoics, you know the Stoic philosophers, Seneca, Marcus Aurelius, about not... <laughs> about staying in the moment. It's actually very Jedi like, you know? Like be in the here and now. Remember the 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 uh, visit of Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan to the Naboidians on their ship and Obi-Wan is like I've got a bad feeling about this. And Qui-Gon is focus on the here and now. Don't focus on your feelings and <laughs> and, and and I was like I feel I need to hear that voice of Qui-Gon Jin that tells me don't anticipate don't suffer now because you anticipate future suffering, right? Just take it easy, calm. There's nothing I can do about it. I'll just have to trust that it will somehow work out. And if it doesn't work out, what are you going to do? You know, I'll have three days, four days in London and I can't go to the convention because I don't have my badge. Uh, I'll just go and visit the rest of London. I'll, I'll give my money to the Harry Potter gift shop instead of to Star Wars. I don't think it's going to come so far, but it it really pushed the kind of the nervous Father Roderick, like my old habits to the brink of taking over. I was so stressed out and now I'm, I'm deliberately choosing to not worry about it. You know, I did what I could. It's not my fault that they they didn't keep their promise because they promised that the badges would be there four to three weeks in advance. They're only sending them I just got the confirmation email yesterday where oh, we've just sent out your 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 badges. I was thinking, yeah, right before the weekend and d- during the weekend, nothing is gonna happen, and on Monday it's not going to be arriving because there is no mail in the Netherlands on Monday. but you know what? i it's their fault. They they broke their promise. It's now two weeks before the beginning of the celebration. So, you know, I could sue them. I'm not going to, but... Well, maybe I will. If some of you guys are listening there from Disney, prepare to feel the legal wrath of Father Roderick and his millions of followers on TikTok that don't even know who I am, but still watch my videos. Anyway, whatever. This is... A, I'm going to enjoy it. I'm definitely going to share uh, my my blogs and and updates and maybe even live streams, why not? On my YouTube channel and on TikTok. Uh, so follow me there at Father Roderick. You know where to find me. <laughs> Catholics rock. It's time for quick visit, a short visit to the Peculiar Bunch, and we need to talk about Tolkien and the Virgin Mary. Alex can be a Peculiar Bunch. No meat on Friday. No oh, meat? What do they eat, light bulbs? Well, <laughs> not during Lens, no. I, I'm i not a, on a regime of, uh, of regiment, is it, right? Of, of light bulbs. Man, you guys got more crazy rules than blockbuster videos. Just no no meat on Fridays. That's that's kind of low key. It's it's pretty pretty easy, especially if you compare it to the Ramadan where they they are not allowed to eat when the sun is shining. You know, I I don't know if I could do that. No no eating, no drinking, especially. Um, so you you definitely need to take care of your electrolytes if you're uh, following the the Ramadan uh, prescriptions. So Christian fasting is actually quite quite mild, I would say. Um, and of course, it's not just about f- about food and about what you eat or what you don't eat. Um, I, I take this time of year, uh, the, this period of Lent, more of a let's just accept whatever comes on my path without complaining. Uh, let me just try to to live more deliberately and to take care of my uh, my sleep, for instance, and that means I have to sacrifice maybe watching TV until very late at night. I sometimes break that commitment, but um, all in all, um, this this time of Lent has been more beneficial for me than I actually expected it to be, strangely enough. But, um, but I, w- I was going to talk about Tolkien and about the Virgin Mary and what these two have in common, because this is something that you may not be aware of, but thanks to uh, Kirk... Uh, in the chat room, he's watching right now, and it's his birthday. That's why he actually mentioned what I'm about to share with you. According to Kirk, today is a very special day for Tolkien fans. It's um, There's a hashtag called Tolkien Reading Day. Um, so it's just one of those... Things that are becoming a, a trend, like, I don't know, National Pancake Day or, or uh, May the 4th, you know, Star Wars Day. So, apparently today, I'm recording this on Saturday, March 25, for those of you that are listening, in the year 2050. <laughs> but on this day of recording, it is National, uh, International Tolkien Reading Day and this is because on this day, in the fictional history of Middle-earth, uh, Frodo, or actually Gollum, destroyed the ring in uh, the, the, the the fires of Mount Doom. And that marked the end, of course, of the power, the, the corruptive power of the ring. Now, the reason that we know the date is that Tolkien chose this particular day of the year for that event, and the reason was that the Catholic Church, Tolkien was a very devout Catholic. T- this day in the Catholic uh, liturgy is dedicated to the feast of the Annunciation. Now you may have to scratch behind your ear. Annunciation, okay. So what's that? Uh, it is the you know picture the this, this famous fresco of Fra Angelico. You probably will have seen it, where you see on the right side the Virgin Mary, and she's sitting on the f- like uh, b- b- just just outside she's still uh, there is still a building um she's sitting on a porch basically of her house, and then in the garden there's this wonderful angel is covered in beautifully colored uh feathers uh and 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 glistening robes and it's it's just such an amazing. Uh, fresco, and he announces to the Virgin Mary that she is going to become the mother of God. She will uh, be the mother of the Messiah. And so that particular day is for any Christian a super important day. The reason that we celebrate on this weird day in the middle of March. You know, the fresco by Fran Angelico shows actually that it's a beautiful weather outside, the sun is shining. When I look outside, I see very dark rain clouds and it's it's really cold outside. So, but the reason that it, it, the, the Catholic Church placed this on the calendar on the 25th of March is that today is exactly nine months until Christmas. So... The countdown for Christmas starts today because this was the day on which the Virgin Mary conceived of the child that would be born on Christmas morning or Christmas night or whenever he's born. We don't know exactly. But so um, it's uh, nine months in advance we celebrate it. And for Catholics, of course, and for Christians, this marks the beginning of our redemption because Jesus was not an ordinary child. He is the Redeemer of the world. And his uh, incarnation, which is a technical word for the fact that he became a human, and human being, while also remaining God, you know, God's son. Just as much God as God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. Um, that day that he became one of us, even though he wasn't even born yet, but he was still, you know, um, conceived on that day, that marked the beginning of the end of evil because Jesus later on in his life would vanquish death and the power of death uh, by giving his own life out of love. And so the 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 day of the incarnation, you could say, uh, of the Son of God um, is in a certain way what the whole story of the Lord of the Rings is about. It's about affirming in a story in a fictional story that that evil never wins there's always an end to evil it's there it's real it's corrupting it's doing a lot of damage it, it makes people suffer think of how much frodo has suffered just by carrying the ring he wasn't even you know the evil but it's just the weight of evil but it's ultimately a story of hope that uh, that even small creatures like Gollum, like Frodo, and like Sam, uh, despite the fact that they were among the smallest cr- um, sentient beings, you could say, in Middle-earth, they were still able to vanquish death and destruction and the power of the ring. Uh, and so it's not the powerful Sauron uh, that, that wins this story. Um, despite all his armies of orcs and urukui and whatnot, but it's the simple folks. And Jesus became, in a certain way, a simple, a simple person, a, a, a humble person, uh, not someone who, you know, lived in a palace and had armies. No, he was just the son of a carpenter. Can't get any more simple than that. And yet, he's the he's the redeemer. So anyway, I thought it would be uh, nice for you to. Uh, to know this little factoid. Thanks again to Kirk and happy birthday to you. Thank you for, uh, for, for intellectually sponsoring this part of my show. When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet. The extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? All right, maybe I should read a little bit of Tolkien today. I've got a lot of uh, Tolkien books. I had—I was actually, I had a uh, father, Harry, um, who is one of the priests uh, that I always go on vacation with. Um, he came over and uh, and stayed with me because he was part, partaking in um, a parish renewal conference uh, in this area of uh, of the country. And, and he said, um, I had trouble sleeping because I, I found a lot of, Tolkien-related books in 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 my sleeping in my bedroom, so I was reading probably a little bit too much, but he is a huge huge Tolkien fan, uh, very knowledgeable. He's got the whole like history of Middle Earth and that sort of stuff. Um, but um, so when we're on vacation, some oftentimes we will go and and make these long hikes in the mountains, and we'll we'll just talk about Tolkien for for eight hours. That that's. It's. I mean, those are the, 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 really the highlights of any vacations when we can talk about Tolkien all day long. <laughs> um, so it's Tolkien reading day, but that's not the only thing that I'm reading right now. So I finally started reading uh, the famous saga, the trilogy. Originally, it was a trilogy. Now there are more books that that, that take place in the same uh, on the same planet, um, written by Brandon Sanderson, and. This is called the Mistborn trilogy. First book is called The Last Empire. It's one of those very heavy books, 650 pages, maybe even more, 700 pages. Um, So I was a bit um, scared (laughs) to start reading that because I had um, some some traumatic memories of trying to read the, the the Wheel of Time books, which are also like very very long. And of course, I you know I, I I try to read three books per week, so <clears throat> I wasn't sure if I could find the time to read the entire first book of the uh, of the Mistborn series. But I did. I finished it in a couple of days. It was that good. It was such a page turner, and I loved it. It's a it's a very cool story about. <clears throat> well, uh, maybe I've already mentioned this before. I'm, I'm, I, th- I kind of vaguely think that I've already. Explain what this story is about. But anyway, it's about this girl who has uh, uh, some magic abilities, like some other people in that world, to use metal, um, different types of metal, to exert, you know, kind of Jedi powers. They can push, they can pull, they can not fly, but they can read people's minds and feel vibrations and whatnot. It's a very, very cool story. Um, and now I'm reading already the second book, uh, which is even better than the first book because the whole world building has already been done. Uh, the magic system has been explained very well in the first book. There are some very clever, like, small reminders in case people have, you know, have forgotten about some of that, that stuff. Of course, th- these books were written over a, a number of years. Um, but uh, I just came off the last novel, so it's a very easy for me to just jump into this this universe again. Um, and so I've been, um, I'm now at the halfway point of the second book of the Mistborn series. I forgot what it was called. I think it is the Well of Ascension. Almost sounds like like a liturgical feast now that I think of it. Like the Feast of the Ascension. Actually, that is a Catholic feast. Feast of the Ascension of the Virgin Mary. or the, No, I should say the Assumption of the Virgin Mary, the Ascension of Jesus. Um, yeah, the Well of Ascension it's called. So I'm I'm actually quite confident that I will be able to finish the entire trilogy um it, you know before the start of the Star Wars celebration which is I love it. Um I'm also after that going to continue uh reading books from this in this universe it's on a different planet but it's it's the same the same the same world that Sanderson built. Um it's called The Way of the Kings um my friend John Domic has uh, read it, uh, super enthusiastic about it. So Jan, uh, also one of our patrons, said, "Oh, it's you're going to love it even more because it's it's even better." Uh, they were all kind of written in simultaneously, um, and I, I can now finally say that I am a fan of Brandon Sanderson. I've heard so much about uh, his books and just never really, never. I've, I felt like if I'm going to read Sanderson. I'm going to read only that for a year because it's, these books are too, are too big. But actually, you know, I can just squeeze them in and then I'll read some shorter books and then I'll go back to the next book. So highly recommend it. It's, it's really um, a, a great, great series. It's time to cook. <laughs> Actually, it's time to talk a little bit about something uh, I mentioned also in this ep- uh, this week's episode of The Walk. Um if you if you've never listened to those episodes, it's a very different show from this one. I just go for a walk and I talk about well, things that I that that are going on in my life or thing or questions or or issues that I struggle with. It's it's very much uh, almost like a public confession <laughs> on tape. <laughs> But I was talking about something I, I heard on, um, actually, uh, again, on TikTok. I saw a, a video about this. And it was someone who was reacting to someone else on TikTok. Uh, and, and it was this young lady. And she said, you know, I, I don't like cl- cleaning my kitchen, but I found a trick to make it fun. I have this playlist on Spotify and it's called um, Lo-Fi Medieval Music um, or Medieval Lo-Fi Music. And she plays that while she's cleaning the kitchen right before she goes to bed. And she said, and then I imagine that I work in a medieval tavern and we've just, uh, you know, exited, we've just uh, uh, expelled the, the last drunken customers and and dwarves and gnomes and, and, you know, we've closed the doors. The candles are still flickering in the corners of the tavern and I'm cleaning the tables and I make sure I sweep the floor. And I have that music and it puts me in the mind of like, all of a sudden this cleaning the kitchen becomes cosplay, becomes role-playing. And I was just so enamored with that idea. It's like, oh, that is totally something for me. Thank you, algorithm, for for for, for again... Letting me know something letting me know that I would love this even if if I wasn't aware that I was going to love this, and so that, that's what I do now. I have my soundtrack, not just for cleaning the kitchen so i've I've found the the medieval lo fi music soundtrack uh, or or playlist that she talked about, so I do that in the evening, I put it on my iPad, and then like all of a sudden I hear this medieval music and I'm imagining that I'm the owner of this tavern and um but I also have a reading list for a fantasy reading. So I was just talking about uh, reading Mistborn. Um, I have this kind of like slow fantasy playlist. Um, and you can find many other, you know, many playlists of different genres. So you have science fiction playlists or superhero playlists. Put that in the background, you know, on my speakers. I've got these smart speakers all over the house. And while I'm, Reading while I'm listening to an audio book, I have that music in the background, and it so enhances the mood. It's crazy. I, I totally love it. I also used to have a playlist, but I think I deleted it. It was my my early morning playlist, and I I had, uh, programmed my uh, a routine on my Google system. That uh, this was at the time that I um, had just read that book of the the miracle morning stuff. You know where you wake up at five o'clock in the morning and. Um, I was, I I still would like to do that, but I just now I'm protecting the hours of sleep rather than this particular early time, early riser thing. But maybe over time I will ultimately do that. But anyway, I had this routine where at exactly five o'clock in the morning, it would play that song that you hear in Groundhog Day. (laughs) Dude, um, what is it again? Oh, it's this, this old 70s song I think or maybe even 60s and and then you they just sampled it from the movie so it starts with that and then I had this morning playlist where it just started with bird songs and then I would have the theme of the shire you know that you hear in uh, in the Lord of the Rings Um, and then I had some other tracks from the game Lord of the Rings Online and and, and, uh, uh, there are different composers that have uh, contributed music but there is um, there are a few very famous themes in in um, in Lotro, and every time I hear them... For instance, there was this... I, I, I just went back to Rivendell the other day, because Inge told me that they had, did, had done a, a refurbishing or a revamp uh, of uh, the last homely house, so the big house where Elrond lives, and um, that's a very famous place, but if you're more advanced in the game, there is hardly any reason to go back to Rivendell once I heard that they had completely redone the house on the inside, I was, I was eager to visit. So I, I took a horse, uh, rode, rode it to Rivendell and I was greeted with that music. And it, it's such a gorgeous game. Not always. There are parts of the world that are not that nice and kind of look a bit old. But especially Rivendell is like, oh, I want to stay here forever, you know. And it has this beautiful music, like so. I had that in a playlist as well. And so my mornings would start with this very nice hobbity, kind, friendly, peaceful music. And even though the weather may may could be super terrible. Like right now, it's oh, there's another uh, rainstorm outside my window. It's getting very dark outside. Um, But if you put on that music, you just close your eyes and then the sun is shining and you're in the Shire or you're in Rivendell. Um, It's what what you could call mood control. And I'm sure that I'm not the only one who uses music to not only uh, match my mood, but to actually control it And to redirect it. So if I hear certain types of music. I feel good. Like actually that particular song. You know the famous one like. ah, I feel good. I often sing that when I'm running. And when I'm not feeling good. Like when I'm tired. And my legs are hurting. And then I just start. Of course it's when I'm running outside and nobody is around. I was like, I feel good. And and the song itself gives me energy and 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 lightens my mood. <laughs> I love it. Anyway, so that was my kitchen. I haven't talked about about food. Okay, one last recipe. I have a whole cauliflower and I only have 2 days to figure out how to how to get rid of it because in 2 weeks from now when I get back home, it's going to be all it's, it's, it's going to be rotten. Um, I'm going to make the famous uh, Gordon Ramsay cauliflower soup, which is the simplest recipe ever. Um, you just cook your cauliflower rosettas. Uh, is it rosettas? Or, or no, it's probably a Dutch word that I'm, I'm translating. Anyway, you just cut up the cauliflower and you put it in uh, stock. I kind of like chicken stock. It adds, it's not vegetarian, but it's nice. And uh, you cook it, and then you put it in the blender. And that's all. And you just blend the whole thing, and it creates this very creamy soup. You could add a little bit of uh, pepper, black pepper, if you like that. You don't need to add any cream or cheese or whatever. Um, just cauliflower in stock. And it's delicious. And it's a very, very easy way to eat cauliflower. Even if you don't like ca- cauliflower, this, the cauliflower soup... That's something totally different. We are on the cutting edge of technology. Wow. Well, what does that mean? Let's plug it in. It's going to say, hey, I see you've plugged in a new device. And it's going to load in the appropriate drivers. You'll notice that this scanner built... Whoa. Well, all your technology stuff just ends in disaster. But there is one more thing. This is definitely the time, the year, the 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 period of, of, of generative AI. You know, generative AI is artificial intelligence that generates stuff. And it can be anything, it can be text. Of course the most famous uh, uh, example of that is ChatGTP, G- which if you are in any on any social media platform, you will see lots and lots of examples how com- how computers nowadays can just have a conversation with you, can 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 give you like entire summaries of stories. Or, or uh, I once uh, my first inquir- inquiry query not my first query that I entered in ChatGTP is um, uh, give me an edu- educational poem for kids between the age of 8 and 12 about the importance of the Eucharist. And it gave me a five-part poem that was fun, that was very easy to follow, and it 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 really hit the mark. And I was so impressed by that. I was like, wow! And of course, nowadays, uh, there are so many people that have been experimenting with that, and they are improving that technology. It's uh, And this is just the beginning. It's very powerful. It's a little bit scary, but think of uh, if this gets integrated in these personal assistants, how much that would change our interaction with it. It would truly become like Star Trek, because now if you if I ask anything to Google or to Alexa, or I'm saying that deliberately a little bit without uh, without uh, raising my voice, because otherwise your 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 personal assistants might activate or or Siri usually you get these like really stupid reactions or, I mean, I like Google a little bit more. And now that I have more iPhone or iOS based uh, uh, devices, um, I've again, I'm so baffled by the, the, the lack of quality of Siri. Uh, Siri is just always coming up with these stupid things that don't help. Like I ask, can you play me a podcast? And because I'm in bed and I just need to listen to something to fall asleep, And say, well, you first have to unlock your iPad. Duh, come on. I'm asking you to help me. Don't tell me that I have to activate you. I know it's probably a security thing, but it's just the kind of stuff, if I ask my Google device to play me a podcast, it will do it. It will just grab it from whatever. It doesn't need to unlock anything. Anyway, or or most of the time, like... more than half of the times so that I ask Siri something, it will say, I don't know, but here are some websites. And I'm thinking, I don't want to go to websites, come on. Just tell me what I want to know. Well, with AI, that's going to be a total game changer. If if Apple and all these other companies are able to integrate that in the way that we inter- interact with computers, I think we can actually surpass what we see in Star Trek, where it's still very kind of simple, the questions that they that they can ask and uh but man, I'm looking forward to uh, having a, a bit more, um, uh, how do you say that, uh, more intelligent conversations with my, with my personal assistants than is, uh, is possible right now. What I'm even more impressed with is MidJourney. MidJourney is image generation. And they've been improving this, this uh, technology every couple of months. And now Mid-Journey 5 has come out, or maybe it's still in beta, but anyway, I've already seen a ton of examples. And it is mind-blowingly good. And it can generate photos, landscapes, people that don't exist, but they're so detailed and they're so realistic. And it's not just the the faces or anything but it's even you can say well it's a person that's sitting in front of a window and there there is a, a museum right now in the netherlands that they have an ex- entire art exposition uh, of of paintings that have been produced by uh, mid-journey and some other uh, generative ai engines and there is of course controversy is this truly art if it's a computer that made it I don't care what it is. I don't care who cooked my food. I don't care if my food or my coffee comes from a replicator. What I care for is, do I like it? And if a replicator can make me a good, nice, hot cup of tea, uh, you know, Earl Grey preferably, then I don't mind if it's made by uh, someone from, from from London who knows how to make uh, the perfect cup of of, of um, Earl Grey, or, or if it's just a replicator, a good replicator. For me, that's the same with art. There, what I saw and what I'm currently seeing with, with uh, Midjourney is so beautiful and so unbelievable. And of course, it's been trained by existing art. And there are lots of ethical questions about that. And uh, are the artists that were used to teach and educate these, these robots, are they being remunerated? Are they being compensated for the work that they Probably wasn't, weren't even aware was used for this kind of technology, but ultimately, I think that's that's a temporary phase. These, this AI is 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 getting better so quickly. I've seen a demo where they were doing live, real life, real time face and posture and voice generation. So you saw this girl, and she was just talking to the camera, and then they showed five examples of the exact same thing that she said, same movements of the head, and it were f- famous people, famous actors, male and female, and it just like generated right there, and this is p- possible already with graphics card that are currently on the consumer market. Remember the big shock that we all felt as Star Wars fans when in Rogue One we see a computer-generated version of Tarkin, Grant Moff Tarkin. He was... There was an actor there, but they did facial replacement. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, that is incredible. Or Luke Skywalker in The Mandalorian. Uh, They even did it with Leia at the end of Rogue One. And later on also at the beginning of um, uh, The Rise of Skywalker... I felt that that wasn't very convincing. The, the Leia ones weren't, weren't that good. Luke in the end of season two of The Mandalorian was also still not that good. But then you have the, what they did in, in, in uh, Boba Fett, the book of Boba Fett. And it was like, oh my gosh, that's only a year later. And you can barely tell that this is a computer-generated actor. Um, so these are amazing times amazing times. Adobe has now announced that they too will have um, an an, an engine that will be made available to everyone who is um, uh, subscribed to their cloud services. Thankfully, we are actually as a a foundation, we have um, a a, a relatively cheap subscription to the Adobe suite. And it's called Adobe Firefly. Now, one of the differences of Firefly compared to uh, Midjourney is that they have only used their own huge library of copyright-free images. Adobe has had these image and also uh, video collections that they made available to their customers for a fee uh, to pay. You know, I want to use this this photo, and then you would pay Adobe. Well, they've used that data to train uh, their AI algorithm, and so they know that everything that is generated by uh, their uh, Firefly system is copyright-free, and and there are no issues with artists that want to be paid for for this, like, you know, is is the case with Midjourney and some other uh, of these generative uh, AI systems. So I can't wait to experiment with that a little bit. Will it replace artists? Will it replace actors? podcasters maybe partially and but of course not not all uh, the, you know there yeah maybe at one point there will be novels that will be written by artificial intelligence but there will also be writers not because writers are better than computers but just because writing is fun painting is fun making music is fun people love to do that you know so instead of always seeing computers as a threat you can also see it as it's again it's Part of this incredible capacity that we have as human beings to create, and now we can create machines, computers that can create as if they were us. You know, it's—I just see it as an incredible time where where we just see how 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 much we we've accomplished, and and it's exciting, and I can't wait to to see uh, more like life improving uh, applications, because of course it's art is is great music um uh, text that's wonderful but but i can also see um our entire interaction with the internet change by this you know if you could just you say for instance you if i have pain in my back i i made a wrong movement this morning so i had this like Oh, man, my my back is hurting so much. I took a painkiller. And I was like, okay, I should probably call my doctor. And then I'm thinking, oh, no, no, she doesn't work today. And there is usually when I want to make an appointment, there's like a a week or two that I have to wait until she has time. So, yeah, I'll be in the UK by then. Well, of course I can Google, but then you get this plethora of information. You don't know what's reliable and what's not. There are some renowned sites that you, you can probably trust. But still... Um, it's just textual information. Um, but what if what if you could create systems where you just talk with an AI doctor who could kind of have a conversation with you, just like a real doctor, and would, would have all that medical knowledge? You know, you may say, well, that's scary, and, you know, that, that could, could, could manipulate people and whatnot. But I, I'm thinking, well, this is just what Star Trek has shown us with the, the, the holographic doctor one of my favorite characters in Voyager. And not just in Voyager, but Star Trek in general. I think he's one of the funniest guys that they've ever written for the shows. Um, but that's what a holographic doctor is. That's what the holographic Janeway is in, in, in Prodigy. These are AI-generated um, characters that are using all the knowledge of the people that they, that they represent, I can see a lot of benefits. I'll leave it to other people to uh, to show me the, the horrors of all this technology. As you know, I'm an optimist. I'm always looking for the opportunities. And yes, of course, it doesn't mean I'm naive and that there aren't risks. But, you know, if I want to go all the way back to the beginning of the show when we were talking about TikTok, instead of just banning stuff because we were afraid of it, and there was a lot of fear in the eyes of the politicians that were part of the hearing, uh, I would say be curious be, be also conscious of your own responsibilities to pr- protect that we have to protect one another against the maybe negative sides of this kind of technology but let's look at how we can all learn from this and, and create a better internet that can help us build a better wor- world alright here's a, one quote by a stoic philosopher Seneca and he says something that is important to me True happiness is to enjoy the present without anxious dependence upon the future. I'll repeat that. Yeah. True happiness is to enjoy the present without anxious dependence upon the future. So I'm not going to worry about not having my tickets for the Star Wars celebration because that will take away my happiness right now. So we'll, uh, we'll cross that bridge once we get there. The London Tower Bridge, I mean. Take care. May the force be with you. God bless.